I'm Lex. And I'm Lily. And we are the Crime Drama Quiz. <laughs> so close, like 66% of the way there. Right. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing super well. We're doing okay. very well. All right. Very well. <sighs> How are you doing? <laughs> oh. I'm absolutely fine. I'm, I'm feeling slightly hysterical today, and I don't really know why. Same. It's um, it's been a weird week. When is it not a weird week? <sighs> uh, right. So today. So what did we do last time? Last time it was Annika. Yes. So we're going a bit further back in time now, both in transmission time, broadcast <laughs> years, and also uh, it's a period piece. Lex, do you want to tell us what we're doing? Tell everyone what we're doing this week, please. Yeah, we're going to watch the pilot for Endeavour. Uh, and that was first broadcast on ITV on the 2nd of January 2012, the year I got married. Very exciting. Um, written by Russell Lewis and Colin Dexter, and it was directed by Colin McCarthy. Very exciting. So the Colin Dexter bit is inspired by the characters of Colin Dexter. So I don't think he wrote, I did look no. into this, I don't think he wrote the screenplay, but it's like his, it's his. Love okay, no, not love child, brain child. <laughs> His love child. We're not casting aspersions onto the character of Colin Dexter in any way. No love children. His brain child. Just, just, just brain children, right? Okay. Yeah, just brain children. Oh, yeah. God. But, and Endeavour Morse is indeed his brain child. What a great name. Anyway. <laughs> Lex, do you want to tell us what IMDb had to say about this? Yeah, it's. Um, I'm going to give it a slightly abridged version just because it's quite a lengthy IMDb entry otherwise. Um, but IMDb says, in Oxford, 1965, Endeavour Morse is a teetotaler and a classical music-loving young constable who considers leaving the force after an unhappy affair, but stays to join Inspector, sorry, Inspector Thursday's investigation into the disappearance of schoolgirl Mary Tremlett. By deciphering a code based on crosswords in the local paper and Mary's poetry books, Morse deduces that Mary was meeting a lover and leads Thursday to the site of her murder. After discovering corruption within the police, Morse dis- considers leaving Oxford. However, his job and future are secure after he works out the code Mary had written on her hand, ultimately leading to cracking the case. I'm not sure if that's particularly accurate, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so it says that he works out the code Mary had written on her hand, but does that crack the case, actually? Because not massively, it's a clue. Actually, leads, It's a clue, but it sort of leads in a slightly different direction. When it comes yeah. to her murder, it's a bit of a red herring. Just completely, that is completely Isn't true. It? It's okay. It's right. That's what IMDb has to say. Yes, <laughs> they're wrong. They're wrong. But... Actually, someone did not watch the end. Just got bored halfway through and switched it off and assumed. But how could they get bored? Because it's excellent. But anyway, Lex loved this one. I did enjoy this one. So it it's Morse, isn't it? Endeavour Morse, played by Sean Evans. So he's an ex-Oxford student and he's returned to Oxford after a stint in the military. He loves his opera, as you mentioned, IMDB stuff. He doesn't drink. Very conscientious and hardworking. But he's also, and it's quite interesting, it's, uh, okay, a bit of an oxymoron, but it's quite interesting how boring he is. Like, <laughs> I think, <laughs> as a character, he actually... But from from us looking in, seeing him work it out and seeing him, I think I think he's portrayed really, really well. I think Sean Evans does a great job. You sort of feel like you're drawn into his world. But if you knew that guy, he's you, quite unremarkable. He's 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 
boring to the point of rudeness. Like, he's got that friend who's like, oh, do you want to come for a drink? And he's like, uh, no, and I don't drink. And then the same <laughs> friend later on is trying to talk to him, like, literally on the bus. They're sitting next to each other, and Morse just ignores him, just looks out the window. Well, he does that when he when his friend walks into his room and he's playing, yeah. like, I'm assuming this is some kind of house share or kind of dorm situation, mm. but, like, he's playing opera, a volume which I would consider grossly antisocial. Like, not everyone likes yes. to listen to that. It's a very high volume. His yes. friend walks in, talks to him. He just ignores him whilst he stares at his typewriter. His friend actually has to turn the music off. And even then, mm-hmm. he doesn't acknowledge him. It's only when he suggests going for a drink that he goes, well, I don't drink. So, you know, when you're like, yeah. um, <laughs> that's just rude. Just... I mean, that's that. I feel like that is something that the children do to me. I, they're watching telly. I walk in. I speak to them. They literally look through me. I have to turn the television off, then get their attention, then talk to them. Morse is a child. He's a child. He's just a big man child. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> very strong. But yeah, he's... And then, yeah, quite unremarkable, but, but clever. Very clever. And it doesn't matter... Because we don't have to spend any time with him except sort of just follow him around on this investigation and the way he works and everything. It is interesting. And he is, he he is, yeah. He manages, the actor manages to make a, him still quite endearing or relatable or not relatable. He's not relatable. No, but I see but, like accessible in a way. Whereas yeah. like, because I've tried Morse a couple of times and I just find him mm. so unlikable that I sometimes find it difficult to get on board. But I found this, like, having never watched any of them, I thought this was really rather good. I really enjoyed it. I messaged you to tell you. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. I remember. The the other thing, and I don't think this really matters, I don't, this does not impact my enjoyment of the programme, but he is not, for me, the same character as John Thor's Morse. No, John Thor's Morse is very angry. He's angry. He's very sarcastic. He's quite bitter. Maybe that's what age does to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and beer. Age and beer. Mm. Yeah. But it doesn't matter to me that they don't look alike. That's fine. I just don't believe they are the same character. I don't believe that the young Endeavour Morse be- could become the old Endeavour Morse. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, I'm still enjoying it. It's not really mm. a grumble. It's just I think they're quite distinctly different yeah. people. I agree. And would explain why I like one, not the other. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly. And I don't think it's just that the young one is young and he hasn't been completely disillusioned by life or anything. I don't think it's just that. Mm. Anyway. Interesting. Uh, right, so he's he's our main detective. And then the uh, other detectives involved, well, he is a copper, so he's got the rest of his police colleagues. But the main one is his boss, Fred Thursday. And he's the inspector. And he's a straight-talking, old-fashioned copper, etc. In fact, he, he comes out with some brilliant lines. I didn't write them down, but some like really old-fashioned, fresh, uh, some really old-fashioned phraseology. Not like yeah, you know, not in a Inspector, you know, Sergeant Troy. Not that kind of <laughs> old-fashioned <laughs> phraseology. Not casual, casual uh, isms yeah. being thrown left, right, no. and centre. He'd say things like, "Oh, it's a rum do, and no mistake." <laughs> I liked him. I thought he was lovely. But anyway, I liked yeah. him. I did, and he's in. I think he's in it the whole way through. All the all the endeavors. But I think he's a great character. Yeah, Roger Allen. 
Like him. Yeah, I like him. So Lex, can you tell us about the crime and the victim? So it starts off as a missing 15-year-old girl, or as a case of a missing 15-year-old girl called Mary Tremlett, but then they find her body, so it becomes a murder case. Uh, A second death takes place, uh, and that's Mary's ex-boyfriend, Miles Percival. Mary was strangled with her own bra, Uh, And her naked body was dumped in Bagley Woods near Oxford. She was supposed to be out with friends, but her friends deny all knowledge. Her dad says she was academically gifted and had a bright future ahead of her. Miles' body is then found with an apparently self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. All of that seems fairly straightforward. Is it? Yes. Also, with all of these, gunshot wounds are always apparently self-inflicted. If it's self-inflicted, you can pretty Mm -hmm. much guarantee they're not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like Ben or Sorkum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where they're like, oh, he shot himself. Like, oh, he's dead, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's a short pricey of the crime and the victim. Who are the suspects? Lily, do you want to talk us through those? Uh, yes, of course. Well, for the most of it, most of the episode, the main suspect is Miles Percival, the ex-boyfriend of the victim. So it is assumed that he murdered her in a fit of jealousy and then shot himself out of remorse. So that's that's the, the main line of inquiry. Uh, then the other suspect, there's Dr. Rowan Stroming. He's a college professor, and it turns out he was having an affair with the victim. He just came across as a really smug prick, sorry. Oh, he totally <laughs> a smug prick. But not the sort of smug prick I like. No. <laughs> no, you like a very specific kind of smug prick. <laughs> a very niche smug prick. <laughs> niche, niche smug prick. Uh, but this guy, uh, and then it's his wife, Rosalind, and then it's a couple of other just, you know, just grim people. There's Teddy Samuels, which is a great name, and he's the owner of a local car dealership, and he's like the resident scumbag of the area. Also felt like he was going to shout like apples and pears every five seconds. Like it was a bit of a like, all right. (laughs) And he was played by Charlie Creed Miles, who plays the bad guy in everything he's ever done ever. So anytime I see him in anything, I'm like, oh, well, he did it. And usually, you're right. right. There was one thing I was watching and there was a series, I think it was series of rapes and there was a care home and at one point you see this porter like walking across like pushing a bed and I was like oh god it looks like that actor (laughs) anyway I feel like he's probably done it then anyway it was that actor and who'd done it (laughs) nothing like being typecast (laughs) just from like one shot I was like oh it was him anyway did he do it this time Let's find out. Uh, Then there's Johnny Franks, who's a local mechanic and lad about time, town. And he was rumoured to be in a relationship with the victim. Then there's Richard Lovell, who is this really creepy local MP, played by Patrick Malahide, who does does a really good line in Creepy. And we just see him periodically throughout the episode just being creepy and suspicious, which, you know, it's, it's, it's a character trait we see a lot in these things. And then the final, I mean, suspects, it's possibly most of the police force, judging by how corrupt they all appear to be. There is, also, I've just remembered something, (laughs) and I swear it's in the police station. In like the first three minutes, is there not a man in a towel, like a half-naked man in a towel that appears like walking out of the showers in the police station? I think that's in their, like, their their lodgings. Oh, it's in their lodgings, because Bob... I think... My brain was really confused as to the location. I was like, what 
is going on here? <laughs> I think they are in some kind of like lodgings for young police. I don't know. I don't know Labs. how they used to do it back then. Yeah. <laughs> it was just this random <laughs> story. I don't know why my brain has gone there. But it was just it's him in a suit and then a man in a towel, <laughs> otherwise naked, just appears and saunters down the corridor. And I was like, and no one's bothered. No context. No bother. No, no context. context. But I know you like a man in a towel or a shower scene. So <laughs> that was just Ben Miller. I save it for Ben Miller. Maybe it was Ben Miller. <laughs> a small <laughs> no, caveat. Now, don't I? Now I have to pause everything and go back and check. All right. Right. The investigation. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. The investigation. Now, this is quite lengthy. So uh, buckle up. The investigation is initially for a missing girl, Mary Tremlett. She's 15 and it's noticed she's missing while doing the register at school. They all look really shifty. Can I just say that? Like during that register, they all look really shifty. Anyway. Yeah. All the girls. All the girls are like, yes, hello. Uh, Anyway, uh, extra officers are drafted in to look for her, including Morse and his chatty friend, who he is, we've said, is constantly rude to. His mate's chatting to him on the bus and he absolutely ignores him, which is great. Um, At the station, they meet D.I. Arthur Lott, played by Danny Webb. Oh, yes. I had a fun fact. Oh, please do. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. So so Danny Webb. So I recognised him. And I was looking on IMDb to see who played who. So I clicked on, I was like, oh, I really, really recognise him because he's done, he's been in everything. But he was not only in the this pilot for Endeavour, mm-hmm. but he was also in the pilot for Lewis. And he has also been in Miss My Murders, Death in Paradise, <laughs> and A Touch of Frost, as well as like <laughs> loads of other crime dramas we haven't even covered. So I think uh, we'll be seeing his face quite a lot and i never knew his name so there you go danny webb prolific maybe we could get him on here just be like as you seem to be <laughs> yeah. featuring in so many of the things we're watching <laughs> pretty much all of them but he in this he is di fred thursday's second in commander and he's 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 not a nice guy in this he's a massive knob. um he's a massive knob <laughs> and morse immediately rubs him up the wrong way i think by just being sort of well-spoken and polite <laughs> and it's that that whole inverted snobbery thing about people coming yeah. from kind of like academia or just from Oxford in general seems to be a massive issue, which I don't... Yeah. <laughs> like a touch of frost when it was... Uh, Barnard was the chief yeah. constable's nephew or something, and everyone was just a dick to him from the off. You're like, oh. oh, he went to university. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's wearing a clean suit. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Look at him eating a salad. What a knob. Doesn't smoke. What yeah. absolute twat. Showed up to work sober. <laughs> Covers all lines of inquiry. What a knob. Yeah. <laughs> also, in this case, oh, look, he's not corrupt. Oh, don't trust him. Yeah, so um, Morse immediately upsets him by not being... Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, carry on. No, no. So Morse uh, is working overtime. He's going over the case files when he meets D.I. Fred Thursday, played uh, with relish by Roger Allen. He also seems to be a bit kind of miffed that he's doing overtime. He's like, why are you doing overtime? Yeah. You don't get extra rewards for doing overtime. And then, and then he says, so you're only, you're, you don't get any money, so you just must be like a fool or, you know, overly dedicated or something. <laughs> what and Morse is like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a knob. But then Morse, Morse goes, oh, it's just you and me here then. So indicating that... He's also a knob. <laughs> He's also a knob. He's also 
very dedicated, very dedicated. Very dedicated. Um, okay, so yeah, he's reviewing the case. Go on. He's reviewing the case. Mary was supposed to go to the cinema with a friend, Valerie, uh, although Valerie denies that. There was no boyfriend and parents said that there was no trouble at home. The boyfriend stuff is a bit of a lie, though, to be honest. Yeah, I don't get that because they say, oh, there was no boyfriend. But then she's had this boyfriend who was a college student, Miles Percival, and that doesn't seem to, he doesn't seem to be like dodgy. I mean, yeah. he, he, he's just a university student and sure, he'd be like 18 and she's 15, which is not super, but compared to everything else that happens in this episode, he was yeah. probably very suitable. So I don't know why they said or why she never told them about him. I don't know. I don't know. It was all a bit weird. They didn't go to it. Yeah. But um, Thursday said that there's not much to go on. Um, but Moore says that there is one thing, um, and that he's noticed that she, <laughs> I don't know why I find this funny, that she had poetry books on her bedside table, hardbacks that she probably wouldn't be able to afford. How did she get them? And Thursday says it's not likely to be important, but Morse gets a bee in his bonnet about them. I can kind of understand where Thursday's coming from. Like when I do he's agree like, ah. Oh. Thursday here. It's like teenage girls like poetry. I, I when we were at school, um, because we were incredibly cool, me and my friends, uh, we we used to take books out of the school library, which was ancient and dusty, and mm-hmm. and then we'd walk down to the woods together and read each other poetry. And we, <laughs> wait, wait, wait! It gets worse. It gets worse. We called ourselves the Dead Poets Society. Okay, I'm done. I've known you for how long and you've never told me that. So ashamed. So I've got a friend who shall remain nameless who said that she used to um, she used to buy poetry books and buy bottles of red wine and cigarettes even though she didn't really like smoking so she could kind of be this this kind of paid literary reviewer just like with a large glass of red wine cigarette in one hand and she'd like read poet, poetry that was things like death or like re- really dark poetry and she'd yeah, wake yeah. up in the morning and be like I'm a very different person sober to the person I am when I drink. <laughs> but she thought she was being like this artist. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, in my, in my defence, I think I would have been quite a bit younger than your friend was when she was doing that. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't supping wine in the no. 13 or however old you no, were. No, it would have been chocolate milk. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> no, somehow it is. I know, I know. <sighs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So yes, I kind I of get his check. point. Yeah, I won't name check any of my friends who are involved in that. I'll protect their identities, for the sake of them and their families. Uh, yes. So there's not much to go on. Yeah. There's not much to go on. I kind of get his point about the poetry books. It does seem like a bit of a weird thread to be tugging on, but fine. Um, yeah. Morse visits Mary's dad, asks about the books. He said she did well at school but doesn't mention the books. Um, Mary's older sister, yeah. Sharon, is there too. She uh, says she's not close to Mary, claims she was spoiled by their mum when she was alive. So there's some kind of issue there. Oh, I had another Ooh. fun fact. Another fun fact. So Mary, the sister, Sharon, is played by an actress called Emma Stansfield, who lives just up the road, just up on Dartmoor. Ooh. And so there's, I think it's a nationwide network thing called Mothers Who Make, and it's like a creative network for like mothers who are at home with children, or it could be like grandmothers or bereaved mothers or mothers-to-be or whatever, but basically people in a caring position who have creative stuff. And, and then during lockdown, it all went on to Zoom. So no, I just remember she was, because she, she's part of the same same network in Devon, 
How exciting. Yes. And she's very nice. <laughs> she's very nice. Anyway, sorry. There we go. That was my fun fact. Could she join us here? We, we just I mean, <laughs> yes. Wait, possible guests. Guest podcast is like, centered. I'll have a look at IMDB and see what other crime dramas she's done. Let's get her in. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they find a body, a body's discovered, um, but it's not Mary. So D.I. Lot sends Morse down to deal with it, uh, presumably or possibly to get him off the, the Tremlett case. Uh, and it looks like suicide because it's the body of a student called Miles Percival. He apparently shot himself through the head. <laughs> and that could not possibly be anything other than suicide, exactly. as we well know. Uh, we meet the pathologist, Max de Brin. Uh, Morse appears squeamish. Like, really squeamish. Yeah, he's like, probably <laughs> like, I do not want to be here or looking at this. This is yicky. Yeah, and he gets pulled up on it. And Morse responds by saying that Bryn is something, I don't know what the word is. Was it like an Anglo-Saxon Yeah, word? Yeah, so basically, Bryn says, oh, you're, and then he says, like, he's like an old Greek word, probably to say, I don't know, I don't speak ancient Greek say like oh you're a bit squeamish or something Morse is like oh I've got a word for you but it's Anglo-Saxon in origin and I was like hmm is he calling to bring the c-word it just <laughs> it just seems a bit unnecessary yeah it was all a bit weird and, and the number of detectives that seem to have like an issue with dead mm-hmm. bodies like it's just a recurring it thing it gets a bit yeah. boring but anyway he doesn't like dead bodies um not that people anyway anyway he says that the gun, uh, Debrin says the gun used was a Webley, mm-hmm. which is an army issue. And according to ID found on the body, it's that of Miles Percival, a student. Um, and so Debrin gives Morse a dress. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Morse then goes to Miles' house, meets his flatmate, uh, an Australian called Brian Lomax. And Lomax directs him to Miles' tutor, Rowan Stroming, the chap who I've already said is um, a massive oh, prick. massive prick. <laughs> Just dreadful. Massively smug yeah. prick. I quite like the Australian. I thought he was a good... I thought he was a bit of a good red herring because he's Australian. And you know that... We'll, we'll, we'll get into it in a second. But they a lot of this is about trying to find out who is this crossword setter called Oz. And I thought, oh, maybe it's the Australian Oz. And he says that he likes yeah. crosswords. So I was like hot on that trail. I did think it was a bit funny, though, <laughs> that he was like... What was he like with crosswords? Like, as a question from a police officer, that does seem like a bit of a weird left field question. Like, if somebody that I knew had been murdered and you were the police officer and you said, what was she like at Sudoku? (laughs) Like, (laughs) well, I don't think it would have driven her to shoot herself. (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it does seem, it comes out of nowhere. Anyway, um, so Morse heads to his old college, Lonsdale, to meet Dr. Stroming and bumps into his old friend, Alex, from student days, uh, who's also a bit of a knob, but just seems to be a massive theme. Alex asks what the name was of the girl they both liked, and Morse said it was Wendy, but she liked (laughs) to be called Susan. (laughs) I didn't understand this at all. Like, what's the name of that girl? Like, Wendy. Oh, yeah, we all know a Wendy. Liked to be called called Susan. (laughs) Okay. Is this relevant in any way at all? I don't know if they come back to it. Maybe it's like super relevant for something in the future or the John Thormos. I don't know, but I was like, that's really odd. <laughs> Same. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, Stromming's not a college, so Morse goes to his home where he meets his wife, Rosalind Stromming. 
And Morse is super awkward and weird when he realises that she's actually Rosalind Calloway, his absolutely favourite ever opera singer. Um, she's flattered and invites him to wait for her husband. They chat and bond and she says she doesn't miss performing. Um, she's just so happy to be a wife. Uh, oh, uh, oh, <laughs> uh, is it R oh, or is it a bit there. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> well, at that point I was like, oh, she's not very happy. <laughs> That was my assumption. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to come out that she doesn't, she, she's really resentful or something. Just so happy just to be so married. happy to be a wife. Oh. I just want to like, be here all the time for my husband. Again, this person will remain nameless, but somebody I went to school with, I remember once on a coach saying that she couldn't wait to grow up because all she wanted to be was a housewife and make pat lunches for her children. Could she, could she come around to our house and do the pat lunches? Because it's one of my least favourite things to do. I was like, what a weird what thing a weird to thing say. To say. Also, anyway. I mean, she could just get a job like in a sandwich shop or something. Could she? she doesn't have to really Absolutely. pin it down to just making yeah. pat lunches. She could probably... Just catering. And then just do catering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just essentially, you just want to be paid to, to do And you know catering. what? That's you fine. know what? If you go and do catering, at least you get paid for it. Because if you're a housewife, mm-mm. No one pays you to do that. Yeah. No. Oh, anywho. Yeah. So she's. Anyway, she's, <laughs> she she's, just, happy she's just really happy. She's really, really happy. Just really happy. And she's still got music in her life because she helps with college choir some evenings. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> and she's performing at a charity gala the following week. Oh, yeah. And uh, then Morse is like, are there any tickets left? And she's like, no, sorry. And he looks like he's going to cry. <laughs> He's so, he's so, like, he's so, like I think, I think uh, the actor does it really well because he doesn't overdo it, but you could just see like how completely flustered he is. And yeah, yeah. it's nicely done. It's just a bit, but then her husband uh, comes back at that point and Morse has to tell him that Miles is dead and has killed himself. Uh, Stroming is surprised, but says he has been uh, a bit off lately. Work hasn't been as good. There's been lots of drinking and there was word he might... <laughs> You might be rusticated. That sounds, yeah, it sounds painful. painful. So I had to look up the word rusticated, and it means to like get set, like suspended or something. It's just I think it's oh, just right. Oxbridge have all this terminology that n- no one uses. Rusticate oneself. Oh, anyway, um. I think you need to shop for that. That causes tetanus, doesn't it? Rustication. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. Bad puns. Bad puns. Let's move on. This does just seem to be Morse going on like a little journey because now Morse is back looking at his digs. Mm-hmm. He's looking through Mary Tremlett's posh poetry books. He finds a lot of crosswords. To be fair, to be fair, he didn't go through Mary Tremlett's pants. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally one of the only detectives that we have come across that doesn't go through someone's Yeah, maybe drawer. that's why it just took him so long to work it out because, you know, he didn't check the pants. Possibly. And she wasn't boring her, her mother's underwear no. either. But um, sad, sad times. times. Okay, but right. he was going through a lot of her crosswords and Mary had only ever solved two clues in each crossword. One was always a number uh, and one was a place around Oxford. Mary was being sent messages from the crossword setter to tell where, when and where to meet him. Uh, and the name of the crossword setter is Oz. Mm. So there's that. So who is Oz? And at this point I was like, Oz, Australian. Oh my goodness. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Morse goes to the Oxford Mail and speaks to the editor, Dorothea Frazzle, about the crossword and who Oz might be. Yeah, fun facts. Yes. I think this might be the last uh, of my fun facts. Dorothea. There's a lot of fun facts this episode. Yeah, I know. Dorothea Frazzle is played by Abigail Thor, the real life daughter of John Thor, 
And I think, I didn't really Ooh. understand. I think there's a little meta joke about it. She says, have we met before? And he says, no. And she says, in another life, maybe. Which I can only think Ooh. is a little meta joke about it because I don't think they, I don't think there's anything else there. Anyway, she's also been in Miss of Murders and she's been in Poirot. So I'm pretty sure we'll see her again in something. Anyway, so. Okay. Another potential another guest. Another potential guest. Abigail so, um, she doesn't know who the setter is. Apparently, they're all anonymous. And last week's crossword came in late, though. Uh, so then we see Morse back at the police station. Lot has called in six, so Morse has to go and pick up Thursday. For some reason, the car he's given is a Jaguar. <laughs> the standard um, police which, issue. <laughs> foreshadowing the Jaguar of his later years, because obviously yeah, that's, that's his, his kind of signature, isn't it? Morse tells Thursday his theory about the books being a gift from someone and the crosswords being from a lover. Thursday takes Morse to tell Crisp, the big boss, about his idea. I love some of these names, um, Thursday, Crisp. It's like, if you think about just the fact that there's Morse and Thursday and, yeah, it's just, they're not standard names. And then, it's all then his other, there's another policeman that's sort of in this one and then he's, I think he's older Morse's boss and he his name is Strange, Jim Strange. <laughs> of course. Yeah, and then when it's Lewis, Lewis's boss is called, well, it's Rebecca French plays her and she's like Superintendent Innocent. It's just sort of lots of very... How very strange. Yeah, just lots of really... Quite unusual names. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, they tell Crisp, the big boss, about these ideas. Um, So they should check Bagley Wood, as that was the location given in the crossword just before Mary disappeared. Uh, Lot, who is better now, um, poo-poos this idea. Uh, But then a young constable comes in saying that a body has been found in Bagley Wood. Morse looks very smug. And Lot, Lot, sorry, looks absolutely furious. As you would. Anyway, so crime scene, uh, Debrin is there poking about. Mary's been found naked and strangled. Uh, there's a thoughtfully placed tree in front of the body, so we don't have to see anything, which is, yes, which is lovely. Uh, and there are some numbers and letters that have been scrawled on her hand, which are FLA178. Uh, could be a car registration, maybe. And there are some clothes next to her. A formal identification of Mary is by her dad. He confirms it's her and then nods to Sharon, Mary's sister, who absolutely loses it. Um, yeah. So it's clear they were probably a lot closer than she made out. Yeah. We then go back to the crime scene again. They find a watch, uh, conveniently broken to show the time of death. So they're then doing uh, a post-mortem and Debrin starts to describe what he's doing, uh, which includes yeah. peeling the scalp. Oh. And it's at that point, I shouldn't find this funny, but Morse faints. <laughs> and frankly, I don't blame him. I, I mean, Debrin is very sort of casual, matter of fact. So again, I'm just going to peel back her scalp. Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't want I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little bit kind of, uh, what's the word? Um, I have a bit of a morbid fascination with that kind yeah. of stuff, but I still think like actually seeing it would probably yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Anywho. Um, so at that point, Thursday takes Morse to the pub, despite him kind of protesting and saying he doesn't drink. Uh, he still buys him a pint, his first ever pint, and they start to bond a bit. Also, Morse clearly likes oh, beer. yeah, he takes like a sip. He takes like He's one like, sip. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> he takes one sip and then like has to stop himself basically downing the rest I of the jug. considering he's been teetotal um, until that point. I think beer's quite an acquired taste. It can be a bit bitter, obviously. But he... He can really hold his drink, considering <laughs> he's never had any before. And then, before you know, he is just downing the stuff, pint after pint. Even hardened drinkers. First time I ever 
hung uh, the every t- first ever time I was hung over or drank properly, all I had was <laughs> I say all I had four cans of woodpecker and a glass of red wine, <sighs> and that led me to dance with Henry the Hoover. Right. Um, and have to be carried up the stairs to bed. Um, I must admit, I was at school. Uh, yeah, so I wasn't. <laughs> wasn't like when I was. <laughs> <laughs> also, as you say, like the beer he's been given is definitely like a dark yeah. ale, like almost like a Guinness, and no one has that on their first kind of alcoholic experience and goes, "Do you know what? That is nice." <laughs> like, <laughs> but anyway, anyway. <laughs> apparently he loves yeah. it. Um, right. Turns out the victim was struck on the back of the head, was strangled, no sexual assault, but was found naked. She'd also been pregnant at some point in the last six yeah. months. Um, they also <laughs> they go through her stomach contents, and I don't know why this amuses me. Half a pint of Welks. Oh. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why I find that. First of all, that's just not a meal. Is that all she had? <laughs> it's just and it's just because there was the the conversation was around like that wouldn't be her breakfast. Yeah. So then there was question over whether she died at the time they yeah, thought yeah. she died because who's having half a pint of Welks anytime, let alone for breakfast. That just only a savage yeah. would do that. <laughs> um, yeah. But I thought like if you're having like Welks or like potted shrimp or something, usually that's stuff that's, you know, you're on the, you're on the coast. Like near us. Yeah. This is yeah. not necessarily in Oxfordshire. Very weird. But um, more <laughs> Morse goes back to school to speak to Mary's friend Valerie, who was supposed to be with Mary the night she died. Valerie is shocked to learn that Mary is dead. Morse is a bit blunt. Um, he could have been a bit nicer about the whole like, thing. Oh yeah, by the way, found the body, so maybe just tell me more. And she's like, what? Um, but she claims absolute ignorance and then runs off. And then outside the school, Morse is approached by another girl, Anne, and she tells him that Mary and the other cool girls hang out at a local garage, um, as we all do. And Mary and one of the others had had a fight over one of the blokes there, Johnny Franks. So off we go. (laughs) Off we go to Johnny Franks. Uh, He's working away, denies he was seeing Mary. He knew her a bit and has a few girls on the go, (laughs) but she's not one of them. (laughs) He was lovely. Hmm. Yeah, just just uh, lovely. What a what a guy. guy. Um, but while we're at the garage, we meet the guy who runs it, Teddy Yay! Samuels, um, <laughs> played by scumbag for hire, <laughs> Charlie Creed Miles. He's probably a really nice man in real life. I have no evidence otherwise. But that's <laughs> the contrary. Scumbags. <laughs> um, however, Morse does find out that Mary did have a boyfriend, a college boy by the name of. Miles Percival. No way. So, <laughs> Morse goes back to see Brian, Miles's roommate. Um, he, he says that Mary had dumped Miles six months previously and he was devastated. They weren't sleeping together as Mary was just 15. Miles had wanted to marry her. He thought she was someone uh, seeing someone else, Rowan Stroming. Uh, uh, him again. Smug academic prick. Stroming says that was ludicrous. He'd met her at a drinks party that Miles had brought her to and she was lovely, bright and quick-witted. And 15. And 15. <laughs> Try again. 15. And he must be what, like, he must be about 40, something like that. Mid-40s, mid definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, she was 15. 15. But in fact, Alex, Morse's old college twat friend from earlier, uh, had suggested they try and train her up and pass her off as an undergraduate just for jokes. Yeah, because obviously um, they must have time on their hands. I, I mean, I don't really no. get that. It just seems a bit yeah. 
ick. But anyway, um, Stromming had agreed, why not? Uh, and I've been tutoring her for a few months, uh, but that had ended a while ago. Basically, they were just massive snobs and thought it would be hilarious to effectively Eliza Doolittle, a girl, yeah. which was nice. Aren't they lovely people? Lovely. So uh, Morse asks him for his alibi and he said he was at home on Saturday night, but of course his wife was at choir that night, so can't vouch mm. for him. Right. Now, I'm going to get this completely wrong. Um, <laughs> Morse. So we then cut to Morse listening to the radio later and they mentioned the poem, which I cannot pronounce. Ozymandias. <laughs> Ozymandias. Thank you very it's much. Right. Uh, Oz. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> I'll just read the little snippet that they... I am Ozymandias, king of kings. Behold my mighty works and despair. So from that, Morse is like, oh, Dr. Stromming is Oz. He said the crossword. I'm not sure. So then Morse goes to I'm see not sure him. I would have got there, but well done, Morse. <laughs> well, so Morse goes to see him and just starts reciting the poem at him. <laughs> yeah, 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 just strides into the room like, I am Ozymandias. And Stromming's like, what now? <laughs> just like I don't know walking into a room to start reciting like Rudyard Kipling or like, like World War II poetry <laughs> I'd probably go with like um, Michael Rosen or something just like a children's poet <laughs> Jack really likes the Jumblies they went to see in a sieve they did they went to see in a sieve I like green eggs and ham I have <laughs> anyway would you do in a, in a boat? Would you could you with a goat? <laughs> Ooh, okay. Right. Clearly works because Stromming admits to being Oz just like that. He, I mean, he could just go, no, I'm not. Like, he doesn't just give one bit of information. He <laughs> He's like, yeah, fair enough. Like, he squeals. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Oz. I'm having an affair. Um, but he does uh, deny seeing Mary that weekend. So the wrong crossword was sent to the newspaper. Shock horror. Um, Rosalind had forgotten to send the crossword off, but luckily Miles Percival had dropped by on college business, as, as one does. College business. <laughs> There's a lot of, are you here on college business? Oh no, he's there on college business. Like, um, And so Rosalind had given it to him to drop off, uh, drop off at the newspaper office. Um, on Saturday night, she was out at choir and had left her husband in his office at 6pm. She had a puncture after choir and had to wait for ages for assistance, so didn't get back until 11. Her husband was still in his office, but clearly has no alibi. Moore suggests that Rowan was having an affair, and she is outraged and storms off. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he definitely, definitely was having an affair. And definitely. And he's just like, is yours a happy marriage, would you say? And she's like, how dare you? And storms <laughs> off. Pretty much like every other one we've looked at where anyone suggests there's any kind of issues in their marriage. And they're like, no, I love my husband. We're very happily married. Yes, it's perfect. Everything is perfect. So Morse reckons Rowan did it. He outlines his theory to Thursday and Crisp and and, uh, they agree to bring him in. However, there is a twist. The bloke from the beginning driving in the rain. So there was a scene with a guy driving in the rain. Right at the beginning. And he sees it's he's really raining and he's all like sweating and stressed. And he sees a girl in a dress with red hair and she's like at a bus stop. Uh, he doesn't see her face and he's just like, oh, girl. And then and then he drives off and we're like, oh, what was that? And we forget about it until now, because then he's just. He's come forward. He's come forward saying, I think I saw the murder victim at the bus stop on Sunday morning. Because he's a vet that was driving back from <laughs> delivering a calf. Like what? It's so. <laughs> It's so predictable. No one's yeah. ever like, 
I was putting down a dog. They're always delivering yeah. a calf. <laughs> and it's always the calf survived. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, and he saw Mary, or at least a redhead, at that bus stop mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday morning. So she must have been killed at 8 a.m. Sunday morning when Rowan Stroming and his wife were both at church. Lot is very pleased at Morse being proved wrong. Like, it's just, like, there's so much like ball swinging between the Get two of them. It's ridiculous. Lot. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> But in the meantime, the watch at the crime scene has been identified as Miles Percival. So it looks like he did it and then killed himself out of remorse, especially um, as he delivered the crossword that day. He could have swapped them out to trick Mary and meet her at Bagley and kill her. But Moore says that Miles wouldn't have done it because he loved her and that would make no sense. Um, Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's if Miles was like so gutted that she had broken hmm. up with him and thought that he, she was seeing Dr. Stromming, she was obsessed with her, perhaps, that actually it would be him. I think Morse going, oh no, because he loved her, he hurt her. I think Morse might just be, uh, not, I think he might be misunderstanding things <laughs> and the, the way of the world. Yeah, like uh, it's more than plausible, definitely. It just than plausible seems a bit weird. Yeah. But, um, so having uh, done that, Morse then winds up at the pub. Um, yeah. And as you say, my word, can he drink a lot for someone <laughs> who recently <laughs> didn't drink at all? Yeah, most people be on the floor after half a pint. But he is, yeah, he's there for hours. That's what I mean. Like, he's still upright. Mm-hmm. Like, not tripping over. Not mm-hmm. uh, anyway. Um, so he's still there later on when uh, later? Good Lord. Uh, later. Later on later uh, when <laughs> Rosalind Stroming comes in and they have a drink <laughs> and a chat and Morse clearly fancies her a lot it's like watching a puppy poor Morse <laughs> then I'll be honest there's a lot of distraction with the other storylines but we find Morse back at the Nick and he's looking through Mary's clothes um, they're just out on a table ready to be fiddled with forensics not really an issue at this point they're not even like um, in a bag or whatever they're all just on a table and no. everyone's like having a little grape yeah. Like a bring and buy sale, if I'm honest. He's just sort of he's just thumbing them, just being like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, people can't see what I'm gesticulating now. But yeah, he's just sort of thumbing the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and he notices that the dress found next to her body is a size small and she wouldn't have been able to fit into it. Um, like, it's like she was big, but he was like, she would never have fitted into that. In all the flashbacks, she's this like very pretty, quite petite girl. She's a bit curvy, but still very small, I would say. And they're like, oh no, she was well nourished. <laughs> Just imagine that if you, if you die under like awful circumstances... And there are people after your death going, there's no way she'd have peeled herself into that. (laughs) This this dress is from Zara and she was clearly not fitting into a Zara garment. Look at the size of her. She was eating carbs. (laughs) Anyway. And you know what? I just remembered remembered that when Debrin's doing the post-mortem whatever, there is a bit where he does pick up her pants and be like... (laughs) And they're like fancy oh. pants. And he's like, oh, but she was out on a date. She was going to meet someone because she had like frilly pants. So I think her pants did get mentioned just because it wasn't Morse rootling around looking for them. Pretty sure I'm going to watch Brin. it again. Yeah, I think pretty sure it was Brynn holding up going, oh, she was wearing fancy pants. So she must so be. So during our, 
a run of this podcast, our Nick account is at what? Sort <laughs> what? <of, laughs> it's, it's, it's quite high. Um, yeah. Essentially with the dress, it's either that someone bought her the dress in the wrong size by accident or was it mm. by design? Because uh, she yeah. clearly wouldn't have bought it for herself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for various reasons, which we'll get into whilst discussing the subplots, Morse quits the police force. <laughs> I still get a bit confused. He just starts <laughs> writing resignation letters. I don't get and it. He just carries anyway. his letters around like, I'm going to resign, I'm going to resign, I'm going to resign. I'm still not quite clear why. I'm resigning. <laughs> Doing it. Anyway. Doing it. But he goes to Rosalind to say goodbye. So performative, it's ridiculous. Um, And to get his LP signed, just get a life. They flirt, they almost kiss, but she pulls away saying she loves her husband very much. And um, (laughs) very much. Morse is clearly. He's, he's very upset. And, yeah, he uh, strikes out, as is his way. Yeah. As, we, as we know, with Morse, he just strikes out all the time. So what does he do then, Lily? <laughs> Where does he go? What does he do? He goes for a drink with his only friend. <laughs> his only friend who now he will go to the pub with because he's like, oh, I like beer, so I'll put up with your company now. <laughs> he's gone from teetotal to, like, functioning alcoholic in a very short space of time. In less than a um, week. I mean, like, three days. <laughs> He says to find the person who bought Mary the dress and you find that, you'll find her killer. So Morse connects the numbers and letters written on Mary's hand to Lovell, the really creepy MP. Um, It's his London telephone number. So perhaps he wrote it on her hand. Mm -hmm. Perhaps he's also a lover. Could he have bought her the dress? They go through the list of stockists for the dress and Morse visits them to find out who bought Mary that dress as whoever did was her killer. Was it Lovell? Was it Stromming? Miles Percival, Teddy Samuels, so many. <laughs> There's so many. So many. So, Lily, who did it? It wasn't any of them. It was <laughs> Rosalind Stromming, the opera singer, Dr. Stromming's wife, who Morse fancies the pants off. She did it in order to protect her marriage and keep her husband. Right, so she found out, or she worked out, that he was having an affair with Mary and and she'd worked out about the crosswords, and that's how he was sending her the messages. So she switched the crosswords over so the wrong one was printed. Then she met up with Mary and killed her. She then, or around about the same time, or maybe they'd been doing this for a while, she seduced Mary's ex-boyfriend, Miles, and then shot him to make it look like <coughs> suicide to provide the police with a killer. <laughs> so, so it escalated quickly instead <laughs> of stating it. She... I don't... So, Morse realises it was her when he's trying to find out who bought the dress in the wrong size for Mary and the shop assistant describes Rosalind and then it all falls into place for him. Yeah. Uh, Can I just say, though, like, they showed a scene where she shot Miles Percival and she looked like... (laughs) When she did it, she kind of looked like, oh, how did that happen? You know, like, what... Also, she just blew his head off and she does not have, like... A drop of blood on it. <laughs> right. So, what do you think? What did, did 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 you believe it? Absolutely not. I mean, it just no. <laughs> like it was all ridiculous, but I bloody loved it. Like I can't. <laughs> yes, I loved it, and I love Endeavor. I think I wasn't that bothered that it was her. I suppose, but. I didn't find her reasons for doing it. So she she was going on about how she loves being a wife and she loves her husband. She just wants to... So she wanted him to not be having an affair. I think maybe she was blaming the wrong person for the affair. Because, yeah, there's her husband who's, like we said, like mid-40s and then there's a 15-year-old girl. So instead of being like, 
why are you having an affair with a 15-year-old girl? This is really messed up. She just decides to murder the 15-year-old girl and then murder her ex-boyfriend just so she can protect this scumbag of a husband. Instead of going, oh no, my husband's a scumbag. Because that's the thing. If you murder both of these people, you're still married. To the scumbag. To a scumbag. Who could just go off and have an affair with another 15-year-old girl. Or 14-year-old. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, your logic has got to be pretty skewed to be like, oh, problem solved. (laughs) It's like, no, the problem. (laughs) Are you just going to then kill all the people that he will inevitably have affairs with? All girls, essentially. Oh, yeah. You're just going to become a serial killer of teenage girls. I just sort of... But bizarrely... I didn't see it coming, uh, as mm-hmm. predictably I never would do. If anything, uh, right at the beginning, you know that the, there's like a scene of one of these parties and there's lots of kind of half-naked people writhing oh, yeah. on the floor. Yeah. And then there's the creepy MP and a random man writing a cheque. Yes. I was very willing to blame it on the man <laughs> writing the cheque. doesn't appear anywhere else in the, <laughs> the episode, but I thought, do you know what? He looks... He looks suspicious. So you're waiting to the final shot. The final shot. Where he'd just come back in with a checkbook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be like, it's me. <laughs> it was me the whole time. Has my check bounced? There, see, no. there was a, a lot. I mean, we'll get into the subplots because there was a lot going on there. But yet, I think at the end, when he realises this is whole montage, because she's, Rosalind is on stage performing her Madame Butterfly. Yes. And then it's this montage of Morse realising. And then they go to the theatre. And Thursday's about to walk out onto the stage to arrest her. And Morse is like, wait. Let her finish. And then she finishes and everyone's throwing roses at the stage. And then Morses walks out onto the stage to arrest her <laughs> and just hands her a rose. Like, could you wait for her to just walk off the stage? Oh, yes. And then you could have arrested her. Well, I couldn't work out. Was that in his head? Or was, did, is that actually how it I happened? Think, I think that's actually how it happened. And then, so there's still all Madame Butterfly playing and still this montage thing <laughs> at her back to the police station. And then Morse is like, oh, no, I can't believe that she killed the girl and I've had to arrest her. And then there's all this drama and they find Rosalind hangs herself in yes. the cell and then they cut it down and Morse is giving her CPR. And it's just like super dramatic, quite overblown melodramatic heavy montage just right at the end I I don't know everything had been quite thoughtful throughout the whole thing it was thoughtful (laughs) sort of you know you're working it out you see Morse is picking things together in the end it's just drama drama do you think like is, do you think this is another uh, example of an intern taking over like a writing exercise? They're just being yeah. like, how do you think we should round off? And like when you've got a PowerPoint and you're yeah. you're told you can add effects onto a PowerPoint and you're like, I'm yeah. going to have like scatter effects and have music and they're going to swoosh in and swoosh out. Like someone here has gone, we're going to have someone hanging themselves. There's going to be yeah. somebody doing opera. There's going to be roses flying everywhere. There's going to be an arrest. There's going to be resuscitation. <laughs> That's exactly it. They've got like one person wrote most of it, maybe got sick on the last day they were like can you just like wrap it up for us they're just really short couple of pages like we've it's like five steps removed like only a few steps removed of her being like launched into space in a rocket like... <laughs> yeah. i thought that the ending was yeah a bit overblown it's strange because i loved it i didn't mind that it was her i just think that her the, the motive it's just none of that didn't ring true no i can imagine her killing her husband because she's he's having an yes. affair and again, we don't endorse that or, no, or no, say that's okay, no, but that no. would have been more logical. But this this girl's already been pretty used and abused, hasn't she? <laughs> and now she? she's like, you know And now she's just getting strangled. <laughs> yeah. But I suppose we should 
possibly, possibly quickly go through the multitude of other subplots going through, (laughs) of which there were many. And not all of them are really explained. So there's Teddy Sanders. So at the beginning, you see the morning scene of like post-orgy. Someone's opening the curtains. There's lots of naked people lying around groaning. So you see that and then we move on. Then we, what we find out along the way is that Mary and her friends Valerie and another mm. one, they had been visiting Teddy Samuels at the garage and, you know, they fancied Johnny Franks and all of that. And then Teddy Samuels had kind of inviting them, coercing them, going along to these orgies, very much again, and taking like photos of them. So yeah. the superintendent Crisp, his daughter yeah. was one of those girls. And so he was turning a blind eye because Teddy Samuels had naked photos of his daughter and he was threatening to publish them and stuff like that. So a lot of the time we're thinking, is Mary's death got something to do with Teddy Samuels and these orgies? And yeah. all these people in power, like Lot is corrupt. Uh, he's part of it. Because Thursday ends up having to like... yeah punch the living daylights out of he punches teddy tell him to turn a blind eye and he punches teddy samuels and then crisp is like says to morse did thursday punch teddy samuels and morse is like nope didn't see anything nope (laughs) uh then crisp is like get out get out you're sacked and so we know that crisp is protecting teddy samuels and then it turns out that it's he's trying to protect his daughter but basically thursday goes in smacks teddy samuels around a bit and nicks all the photos from the safe and it's like we're not doing this anymore so Thursday exactly. sorts it out. But for a long time, yeah, we don't know if that's part of it. And then you do find out that the horrible politician guy, Lovell, he was... Mm. They say that these girls, Mary and her friends, were basically being passed around all these really powerful men. And at one point, Lovell had written his phone number on her hand. So that was the connection there. But he had nothing to do with her death. And that side of things had nothing to do with her death. But we find out that Mary is actually Teddy Samuel's daughter because his yeah. she's actually her sister's not her sister her sister is actually her mum who when she was 15 had been roped into Teddy Samuel's Asked around, around in one of these and got pregnant with Mary and she at the end and I, I sort of I mean I don't contone violence but this was quite I, I mean I really get it and she found out that Teddy yeah. Samuels had been doing the same thing to Mary even though she was his daughter so she just gets a tire iron and goes to the garage and beats the shit out of him and she really does she really does and i was i thought she was just gonna like do it yeah. once and then she went yeah. like again and i was like oh oh, oh okay okay we're doing this <laughs> we're really okay. doing this um, so she doesn't quite kill him but he's he's like they say always oh, a vegetable which is yeah not a particularly nice way of putting it but so they've got that, that side plot of just like the, the tragedy really of mary and jaren and just all that horror and then at the end there's this guy so we see this mi5 guy throughout the whole thing again this guy keeps popping up and he's clearly like secret service and he's trying to slightly impede the investigation yeah and you don't know what it's about and then right at the end he goes to see Lovell and he's he says look we know what you've been up to with the teenage girls so you have to resign or I'm going to shoot you in the head which is how we deal with these sorts of things yes that's lovely so Lovell resigns I assume he says, like, so either you're going to resign or I'm going to get blood on my shoes. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Which is quite a nice phrase, actually. I mean, it, it's not nice, but the way it's articulated is lovely. <laughs> yeah, so there was that whole yeah. sort of side plot with Teddy Samuels and just the corruption involved in the police and just how everyone sort of thought it was all right to pass these underage girls around. 
quite frankly, Girls around, yeah. even if they have been 16, no better. No. no. Even yeah. 18. Yeah. Uh, I'm just passing people around in general, not, <laughs> not okay. okay. Not okay at any age. But yeah, 15, <laughs> pretty bad. Scumbags. Yeah, so the rest of it is, I suppose, the other subplots. It's really just about more starting his career, <laughs> finding his feet, getting into his alcohol. Yeah, really, really getting yeah. to grips with his alcohol. Yeah. Um, like a duck to water. Duck to water. So. Yeah, <laughs> the main themes. Yeah. Themes, again, it does seem to be, again, uh, more men being dicks and women seeking revenge. Dicks. And in this case, taking it yeah. out on the wrong person. Yes, absolutely. Men being dicks, women taking it out on the wrong person. When will we find an episode that doesn't do that? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? At some point. How would you rate it? I would rate it high. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I did think it was overblown at the end. And I did think that uh, the whole thing of this very complex murder plot that she set up, including like she's so devoted to her husband, but she's still happy to seduce Miles Percival and get him into bed a few times in order to get close to him so she can mm. shoot him. Everything was Ugh. just so... No, I didn't believe it. At the same time, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I would same. say like eight, seven or eight. I'm going to say eight. Okay. I, I, I'm going to give it an eight. Really enjoyed it. Um, like from the get-go, thought it was really, really good. Don't believe it. Didn't work out who it was, but that's just standard for me. Mm. But still very enjoyable and would watch again. And indeed did did watch it again yeah. and may yeah. watch it another time. Just may watch again. We'll see if you find a bit with Jabrin and the pants. And the man and the in the towel. The towel. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe you could work it out, but from the clues, like you could sort of go, oh, well, Rosalind knew this and then Rosalind had the crossword and she could have done this and she could have done that. But because the answer was so preposterous, you wouldn't have got there. Yeah, and the only reason that agree. Morse got there is because he went to the shop where the dress was bought and the shop assistant described Rosalind. That's how he worked it out. And then everything fell into place. Exactly. Him. So no, I don't think you could work it out because it was ludicrous. But it's okay. We exactly. enjoyed it. And it was lovely. We enjoyed it. It was lovely. And I, I just love the set. I love the, the coupling of um, Sean Evans and Roger Allen. I think they're a really good crime-fighting yep. duo. Like, but not in like crime. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yes. Closing thoughts. If your husband is having an affair with a 15-year-old... Don't take it out on the 15-year-old. Yeah, definitely. And also question your vocation as this man's wife. Also, if you are going to start drinking, maybe start slowly. Build up. My goodness. Start with half pint and maybe yeah. not a dark ale. Maybe go for something lighter, <laughs> like a session IPA. Lower alcohol content and yes. slightly more pleasant on the palate. Or a baby sham. Or a baby sham. My word, yes. Well, on that bombshell, I shall bid you adieu. Bye. Bye. Right, but so who did the vet see when he was driving back? Because he saw Mary, didn't he? Yeah, so no, that was Rosalind. Um, she was in the dress and she was in a red wig. And that was the dress that then they found next to the Mary that they decided that she couldn't fit into because she was just such a massive porker, like size eight or something. Oh, of course, of course, of course.